Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Spotlight. I am so excited to have my good friend Lori Richens in studio today. And today's show is all about family. We're making a family affair. Her daughter's actually joining us uh, from Florida. We're going to bring her on in just a little bit. Uh, Elizabeth coming to us from Florida via Mm -hmm. the phone. And you're coming here from Idaho. Idaho. We lived about 40 minutes apart from each other, and we didn't even know each other back then. So it's so crazy. So uh, Lori and I, yeah, we lived really close to each other. And then I moved down to Phoenix, and we Mm -hmm. actually... Um, met through Facebook or connected through Facebook. So really fun story there. But I've been really impressed with Lori. And I just wanted to start today, Lori. We've got some questions that I'm going to ask. You just have a phenomenal story, a background. Um, What you've been able to do with your life is just incredible. So I just wanted to start with a little bit of a background about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Um, You've actually run for office before. I did. You have how many children? I have seven. Seven, seven children, children. one still left at home of 16. Wow. Yeah. So oh. you, you, but but life didn't start off so hunky-dory. Right, yes. <laughs> so walk us through your story. Yes, yeah, so actually I was raised in a little mining community in Minnesota and um, lots of wonderful, wonderful people there, uh, lots of blessings and environment like that, but um, also some challenges that can be uh, in communities like that. And for me personally, um, I, w- I had a very broken background, a very challenging upbringing, and I didn't realize the extent of it until I got into a safe place. And it's interesting to note um, something that I learned later after I got married and had been married a couple of years, I had started to have some pretty significant nightmares and um, screaming in my sleep and wow. and things that were um, kind of uh, uncertain. We didn't know the cause of it. And I learned later that post traumatic syndrome can be manifest after you're in a safe place. After you're out of the challenging environment and you're no longer in survival mode, a lot of those symptoms can start to manifest themselves. Well, and that's really Mm -hmm. interesting because you would think that now you're in a a place that is conducive to growth. So that's really interesting um, that you would encounter that. So what were some of the challenges that you had growing up that caused those nightmares? Um, So... My mother was married at 15 years old, mm-hmm. and she had her fourth child by the time she was 22. Oh, my goodness. And so if we think about, um, as I've been trying to heal myself, which I'm a whole, strong, healthy person now, but over the years as I've been trying to get into a really stable, strong state of mind, it's important that we analyze and evaluate what might be true that we don't understand currently. And so I can pass judgment that can seem pretty negative about my, my mother or or some of the experiences that I was exposed to. But if you think about someone being married at 15 years old and then having a fourth child by 22, and um, you know what would be the catalyst for having somebody engage in something like that so young? So by the time she was, um, I was born, she was separated from her husband. And so I was conceived um, at a time when uh, she thought a certain man was my father. And it turned out to be 22 years ago when I did a DNA test with him. Um, turned out he wasn't my dad. And so um, the process of finally trying to find resolve and find out who my parentage was and kind of get that 
clarified was was very very difficult. So we mm-hmm. had th- multiple marriages. We had um, there's now uh, 19 siblings I think that I have now, and um, so very broken and very fractured. And by the time I was 40 years old, um, you know, you hear about people who have experiences that are so traumatic that they literally encapsulate the experience in their brain and they cannot have any recall until it's time to release that. And that happened for me when I was 40, and suddenly I was just struck with um, body memories and uh, circumstances that were, um, it just unseated me. And I, I thought, I survived this as a child, but it nearly killed me as an adult. Well, now you're 40 years old. How many children did you have at that time? I had seven. So you had seven mm-hmm. children. You're 40 years old. You're living your life. You feel like you've moved on from things, obviously. Exactly. And then these things come back. I think that's so interesting. I, I always think back to uh, the movie Shrek. And, he, you know, he's talking about life is like an onion. They keep having layers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's so true. And one of the things that I love about you is you're such a great example of someone who— um, is helping other people handle those traumas that Mm -hmm. uh, they encountered when they were younger. So I really appreciate that about you. So at 40 years old, when this came up for you and you had seven children, you'd moved on with your life. You're now a mother with Mm -hmm. your whole family relying on you. Exactly. What did this do to you? It nearly caused me to divorce my husband. And um, why is that? What what happened? I'm so glad you're asking this because uh, for the listeners out there who might have encountered or experienced something similar to mine, uh, there's something... uh, really unsettling that happens when suddenly you're exposed to things that you're not prepared for. And um, my husband didn't know what to do about the situation. And I certainly um, didn't have the school, the the tools or the skills. And um, because I didn't really have a relationship with my mom at that point, she couldn't help me through that journey. Mm -hmm. And so um, eventually, uh, there came a point where there, my pain was so intense, my my circumstances were so overwhelming, I actually set a date to take my own life. And I remember making the cognitive choice, I can live this long, I can go to this date, I can breathe this long, but on that date I know I'm going to have reprieve, I'm going to have some peace because I'm not going to be here anymore. And my husband had no idea that I had gotten to that place. And my children certainly were oblivious because I was. Why? Why was that? Were you just? I mean, on the outside, were you living this um, happy life? Did you know how to put that mask on? Why did people not know about the pain that you were in? So this is perfect um, question for me to respond to as well. Uh, I'd like the viewers and anyone who maybe has had a history like mine to also know that I'm going to validate for them what happens to the physical body and the health situation. And so I became very ill on top of the emotional state that I was in. I was very high functioning and overall I had such great blessings. I had a lot of wonderful things unfolding, but I had this inner torment um, that was really difficult to overcome. It's like a monster always trying to kind of come at you. And one thing that um, I'd like to clarify that's really critical, it is not the spouse's responsibility to fix the other person. And because my husband was my closest 
person to me. He's a very gentle, kind, soft-spoken man, but I felt like I need a warrior, like I needed a warrior person to kind of rise up and be very protective of me and so that I could feel safe. I, f- I think I reverted very much back to that child state. Yeah. And um, there came a point when I was really ill and uh, I ended up in the hospital and I asked my husband, I said, please do not leave me please stay here. Just don't leave me here alone. And um, this is something hopefully that can be helpful to other people because it was really a catalyst to strengthening and fortifying my marriage later. But um, they actually gave me something to help me sleep. And then my husband was calculating. He's an accountant. He was calculating, okay, my wife's asleep, so I'm going to go tend to the children. I'm going to go, you know, take care of some other things. And he left me in the hospital. And um, something happened that was terrible while he was gone. And sometimes the person who's been victimized tries to express what their need is or, you know, what their emotional state is or what their circumstances are. And sometimes you just, the other person doesn't get it. And so logically it seemed fine for him to leave me there. And, And when he left and then this really bad thing happened while he was gone, I felt like, okay, you know, I can't count on him. I can't trust him. And so emotionally, I just kind of moved on from there and thought, I can't stay in this marriage, and I don't feel like I'm safe. And um, one thing I've learned as I work with clients, because I'm a personal empowerment coach right now, personal and family empowerment coach, and I work to help families feel whole and heal again, um, sometimes you need someone to kind of be a mediator to help the individuals to understand the emotional state that both are in. And I wish we had had that. I wish my husband and I had had this because um, I, I find when I work with clients, when they're processing a lot of their pain, they revert back to stages in their lives when they felt helpless. And then they feel really small. And mm-hmm. so in some ways, I reverted to that child state. And and um, my husband just didn't quite know you know what to do with that. And so it was it was a hard time. Well, and I think you bring up a really interesting point because um, I've had certain experiences with this in my life. And as I've talked to people who have had uh, marriages or relationships that are struggling, especially uh, people that have maybe encountered some traumatic childhood experiences, a lot of it comes down to that safety issue. Yes. And for whatever reason, there's been an experience in that relationship and they don't feel safe Mm -hmm. around the other person. I think a lot of people don't even realize that this is going on. And like you said, it might even be something that is um, is unintentional by the other partner. Mm-hmm. They might not even be aware that they've caused that situation. So that was a that was a huge light bulb that went off as you were talking to me. Um, so I want to ask you. So here you are, forty years old. <clears throat> you're you are sick. Mm-hmm. You are depressed. Mm-hmm. Your marriage is in your mind over. Mm-hmm. Because I had already moved on, exactly. Fast forward to where you are today. You have a great marriage. Mm-hmm. You're healthy. You're helping other people. So what happened? How did you get from that point in your life, that low, low point where you didn't even know if you were going to live to thriving today? Yeah, that has been a miracle, really, to, to be honest. Uh, so one of the reasons why I decided to become a personal and family empowerment coach is I realized that on that journey, 
uh, for me to get to the state that I'm in now, I was able to formulate in my mind and on paper and to have a plan to present that to other people in their circumstances where I could say, okay, I, I want to offer to you what I had to scramble to find for yeah. myself. And so um, I ended up finding some really good uh, caregivers as far as getting me healthy and strong physically again. Energy work ended up being a tremendous catalyst for that. And then I found out that I was actually very, very sensitive to energy work myself and became an mm -hmm. energy worker as well. I've worked with you a little yeah. bit when you had a, a need. And, um, and so I ended up being, I became very, very prayerful as well. And I remember because initially I was not getting the physical um, medical, traditional medical help that I needed. And it turned out to be a, a really challenging experience instead of helpful. And um, I remember praying and speaking to the Savior as you are the great physician. You know, you created me and teach me then how to heal. And I changed my verbiage, and I started getting counsel and thoughts and direction on what I needed to do to get stronger physically. And in doing that, um, it, it was a really necessary catalyst to get strong emotionally and, yeah, and spiritually. So I love how you said that, and, um, you know, what I'm hearing from you, and please tell me if this is different, if there's anybody out there struggling that feels like they are where you were, your mm -hmm. advice would be to to just start praying, looking within and upward um, for answers, maybe changing the verbiage a little bit. And I'd love for you to say that in your own words. But the point I want to bring up here is so often we step out of this state of empowerment when we feel like we've been a victim. And so we start giving our power away to other people to make choices for us. We start turning to doctors mm -hmm. or we start turning outside of ourselves. And, and rather than doing what we really feel like we need to do, we start doing what other people tell us to do or what they think we should do. And a lot of the times, if we aren't actively involved in those decisions, now I'm not saying you should never go to a doctor. Maybe you feel mm -hmm. inspired to go to a doctor. But, but when you say, okay, I'm stepping out of the equation. I'm going to give you the full power to tell me anything that you want to heal. And I'm going to cut myself off from my higher power. I'm going to cut myself off from God. I'm going to cut myself off from my inner spirit. And I'm just going to rely on other people. I think what happens is it even puts us more in that victim state mm -hmm. and um, can can actually cause more harm than good. Um, th that's just, I'll get off my soapbox now. But <laughs> my real question for you is, what is the one thing in your words that you would recommend that somebody does that finds themselves in that really low spot that they don't know what to do? They feel like there's no hope in their marriage, in their life, uh, in their family, whatever it is. What would you tell them to do? So during that particular time, my body was failing so um, drastically. I was losing my vision. If you've ever seen like a cameo of an old picture where it's all hazy on the outside, I was losing my vision. I was losing my hearing. Wow. My body was literally shutting down. And I was in a state of panic. And um, so, uh, you know, when it comes to faith, when it comes to prayer, um, I was trying to do all of the steps to try and get me strong again. But really, that was the catalyst in not having him fix me. 
because the the path was so purposeful for, for me. There was an experience that I gained years ago from someone who um, gave me great counsel, and it actually happened to be from a loved one who had passed away. And so I'm going to share something really sweet and special to me. It happened to be from someone that I really admired. He was kind of a father figure, and I was in a low place. And I actually felt him near me, and I felt counsel come to my mind from him. And it was the perfect person at the perfect time. And basically what he said is that this period of life is so short and yet so valuable and the life lesson so critical that the, the heavens can't intervene too much lest we lose the life lesson. Mm. So the heavens will intervene as necessary, as needed, but the path is so purposeful to trust the journey. And so for me personally, that was critical. So I had to, to listen and I had to be inspired to know the individual steps to take, and there were many to get me where I am today. And also in my marriage, um, it, there was a critical moment. We actually went to Hawaii for our 25 year anniversary. And you would think this would be this glorious event, right? Yeah. We're, right. We didn't hold hands. We weren't touching each other. We were very distant from each other because mm -hmm. I was suffering, he was suffering. And this was a really big turning point for you husbands out there who might have wives who've been damaged, who've been broken, who've been injured because of previous men who who've harmed them before maybe you even met. It's so hard for these spouses. Mm -hmm. My husband was walking on um, kind of a beach setting one morning and I was still laying in bed back in the, in the room and he pleaded with God and he asked God to help him. He was in so much pain. He didn't know how to get me back. He didn't know how to heal this situation. And so he just wanted to be spared from the torment he was in. And the reason why this is so cat such a huge catalyst for me, I, if you can picture this, I'm laying in bed and my husband comes into the room that morning and he sits on the side of the bed and he's very tender. And my husband is a very um, kind, gentle person. He's not emotional. He's, he's an accountant, so he's not an emotional man. And he sat um, next to me and he, he had tears in his eyes and he said, he told me this experience that he had had, how he was walking on the beach, and he pled for relief. He, he pled for relief from his pain. And, um, and then he said that he had a very powerful personal spiritual experience that said, Brian, this is just a fraction of the pain Lori has been in. Wow. So he really... Um, started to and began to understand he your did. pain. I I think what you're saying is so crucial. Uh, there's an emotional equation that I love. I've mentioned it on the show before by Chip Connolly, and it says suffering minus meaning equals despair. Suffering yes. plus meaning equals purpose. And sometimes we plead or pray to be taken out of our suffering. Mm -hmm. And really what we need to ask for is what's the meaning in the suffering? Yes. What's the lesson? And if we can find that, maybe we find our life's purpose. And that's what you're that's doing what now. Yes. Uh, when we come back more with Lori Richens, we're going to bring her daughter in who's uh, joining us via phone from Florida. Um, we've got a couple of questions here that your kids actually uh, sent Ask in and wrote me. down that want, they wanted me to ask you. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what your daughter's doing because it's so fun. And we are making this family affair today. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Spotlight. I'm Allison H. Larson. We'll be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women, and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer celebrity friends and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm having so much fun in studio today. My uh, friend Lori Richens came down from Idaho. She's a family empowerment coach, and uh, she's been sharing her story. If you're just joining us, Lori uh, had a traumatic childhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, She actually got married, seven kids. She found herself at 40 years old with some of these things coming back up. She found herself depressed. Uh, You found yourself sick. You thought your marriage was over, and you were able to take some steps that today is a Allowing you to have just a beautiful life, a strong family, and uh, you're you're finding a lot of joy and passion and purpose in your life. And the things that we really talked about that helped you get there were, were stepping out of that mode of, hey, trying to fix me, of mm-hmm. having everybody try and fix you, and stepping into, what do I need to learn from this? What are the steps that I need to take to heal? And then just really listening and being in tune to that. So I think that's a beautiful example of how we can use our intuition to move ahead. So we did something really fun. And Elizabeth, you're joining us from Florida, right? 
Are you still there? Yes, okay. I am here. So we did something fun with Elizabeth and also some of your other children. Mm-hmm. And we actually had them come up with some questions to ask you um, that we would love to hear you answer. And we're going to we're going to ask a couple of these questions, and then I want to hear more from Elizabeth and and what she's doing. But Elizabeth, this question is um, is for you is from you, and I thought this was a really great question that also resonated with me um, because I'm I'm a real peacemaker, right? I'm I'm I am somebody who doesn't really stand up for herself a lot. I would rather stand up for other people. And this question from Elizabeth, <laughs> so we both we both the same, and you're the same too, Laura. Yeah. So so here's her question for all of you out there: How does someone who does not feel that they have a strong inner fighter become a fighter? Because to overcome those things, you really had to become a fighter. So what what did you do? I, I loved when Elizabeth presented this question to me. And so, again, I want to share how God, in his um, interaction with me, helped me to uh, get to where I am. And uh, one of the things that you really um, addressed, I think, is key earlier on when you talk about purpose, finding purpose in your suffering. So my biggest block in my healing was I couldn't understand how God could allow innocent children to Mm -hmm. be exposed to things that were so um, just tragic and so brutal and um, and just, you know, destructive. And, And so I could not make sense of, of you know the the grace versus justice and I was in this terrible quandary and he gifted me with this powerful image and he helped me to see something that only intervention like this could possibly help me to comprehend the value in um, a lot you know God's allowing things like this to occur and he actually gave me a vision of seeing myself when I was three and when I was three years old um, I, there were three men who were surrounded with a lot of darkness within them and without them, from around them. And they were coming at me, and I was filled. I could see myself, and I was filled with a bright yellow light. I had it within me and without me, this bright, radiant yellow light. And I could see that even in my three-year-old little mind, I was calculating this concept. I was saying, I am so small, I am not going to be able to protect myself from what you are going to do to me, but you will never destroy me. This is what I saw, my little self coming to terms with and and understanding about my own strength. And so I think that once I ended up seeing that and once that I saw that Heavenly Father allowed me to recognize that I was this warrior child who was placed in a situation that could not only handle it eventually but thrive and be very purposeful in helping others to heal, I saw that I was entrusted with an experience that was really hard because he had confidence in me. And I remembered then on a higher level who I really was. So I think all of us have a warrior aspect to us and sometimes they don't have to have it manifest like I did. Um, I needed that level of clarity. And once I saw who I really was and what I was capable of doing, I felt like um, I felt this added love, this Mm -hmm. added measure of appreciation for the Lord helping me to know that he 
put me in a situation where I could then transform it and heal a whole generation. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that opportunity. Wow, that's really, really powerful. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to do when I feel like I'm not in that mode of fighting for myself is I actually pray to see myself as God sees me. Perfect. And I had a really powerful experience last weekend where somebody said, I want you to sit in front of a mirror. And I want you to just look at yourself. And it was so incredible because as I looked at my own eyes in the mirror, I saw myself as a warrior. And I had never felt that or seen that within me. So whether it be, you know, praying or or asking for experiences to understand that warrior that's yes. within you when you're younger or just praying to understand and look at yourself through God's eyes because you know he's always going to fight for you right yes. or standing in front of the mirror and looking at yourself maybe with the intention of finding that inner warrior when you feel so small and so weak and like you just can't stand up and fight for yourself anymore I love that idea Elizabeth do you have any thoughts to add to that um, yeah, I just want to point out one of the incredible things um, that I was gifted with as a child was that my mother, um, she would she would talk to us in a way uh, where we felt so empowered. And so as a child, even though we feel small and we, come across, we would come across our challenges in our day-to-day life, she would talk to us like we were warriors, like oh, we wow. could handle what life was going to throw at us. Wow. Um, and, and that's so empowering for a young child. And so as I've grown... Not only have I witnessed my mother overcome these things, but um, she has verbally empowered me and and taught me what my real strength is and that I really can make a difference mm-hmm. in this world. And so um, thank you, Mom, for that. Thank I, you. I love that. Can you give us an example, Elizabeth, in case there's somebody out there watching that's a parent, that's a grandparent that wants to know how do they talk to their children? How do they talk to the people around them to really instill that warrior attitude? Can you give us an example? Or what are you doing with your own kids? Yeah. Um, so one thing my mom would always tell me was that I am capable, that I am smart, that I am intelligent. Um, when I come across something difficult, she would tell me to step into it. And instead of running and fleeing away, she would she would encourage me to step into that, which gave me the confidence that um, that I could handle it, that I could handle this new mm-hmm. phase in front of me. And so, um, I I would say that to your children when a difficulty comes in their life, you can validate their feelings and their emotions; they're real, um, and then tell them that they are capable. They can do this. God has given them the power to do this and the strength to do it. And he will provide the resources for you as you search for the answers that you're needing to tackle what's in front of you. Yeah. Well, and you know what I love about that, too, is it it lasts through adulthood. And I I was really Mm -hmm. struggling. It was probably the three or four weeks ago. I mean, I was having a really bad morning and I was struggling with a really big life decision. And I remember being in this depressive state and calling my mom, you know, like, yeah. I'm, like I'm a little child or something and just crying to her and telling her about this tough decision that I had to make. And she said something to me that totally took me out of that state of depression and um, indecision. She said, Allison, you are a powerful person. I've seen you manifest everything in your life that you put your mind to, and you can make good decisions. 
And she didn't tell me what decision to make, but even as an adult, I'm 39 years old, calling my mom to hear her say something like that was so empowering to me. And immediately I was calm, I was confident, grounded, and I, grounded, and yeah. I moved forward with that decision. And so I, I love that uh, you brought that up, Elizabeth. Uh, I want to I want to read one more question from you that you asked your mom, and then I want to hear a little bit more about what you're doing because it's pretty phenomenal. Okay. And uh, maybe we'll get to some of your siblings' questions too. <laughs> but your other question that you asked that I really liked is, how did you not only survive but choose to rise above what was given to you? And I think we we've talked a little bit about this, but so often you know people have this mindset of I've just got to make it through, I've just got to make it through. But you've actually chosen to not only survive it but to thrive in that. So w- when was that moment of decision, or what caused that feeling that I'm not just going to survive, I'm going to thrive? So once I started to see some really healthy family dynamics and I was exposed to successful families and the strength that I saw come from them and the the unity and the the power that they had to make a difference once one of the challenges that we have when we're we're born into a situation where it's very dysfunctional it's all you know and so you don't even know you're in dysfunction and so once my eyes were being open to that I had three responsibilities I had to see what needed to change I needed to stop what needed to no longer be perpetuated and I had to start something new. And when I caught the vision, so see, first stop, you have to start, start. The three S's of change. You have to see, see. what isn't working. Mm-hmm. You have to stop that behavior then it's not like you can just keep a snowball rolling right. you have to you have a different responsibility when you come from from brokenness you have to see it first and recognize what needs to stop then you have to actually step into the stopping phase and and then you have to start something new and so um, that's that's quite a heavy responsibility but when I recognized that the transformation on the other side of the transformation that you have this empowering family that can go into the world and make such a difference. Like I was determined to um, to give my children the tools that they needed to be powerful parents themselves. Um, I wanted my grandchildren to be raised by parents who were safe and loving and would protect them and felt capable of doing that. And, um, and I also realized that if I could take when I realized that the power of my future was in analyzing and taking the pain of my past to actually make me bigger, make me more, make me stronger, make me a mightier person, and then to give that example for my children, then, you know, the resentment passes because you feel like it was a gift. You feel like having survived this experience, now you are so... Reminds me of the Six Million Dollar Man. Do you remember that show? Yeah, I do. Remember at the beginning when he said, you'll be stronger and you'll be, you know, after he had had all of those injuries. And, and so, do you know what I mean? Yes, I yeah, do. It's exactly I do. that. And it, it really does. I mean, um, I, I just keep thinking of the song, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. It makes you but stronger. it's just so true. It's so exactly. true. So, okay. So speaking of raising strong, <clears throat> independent children that are being great parents and changing the world, Elizabeth, you actually have are doing something right now that I find intriguing and very interesting. Um so yeah. could you could you explain to our listeners what it is that you're doing now and how you are taking what you've learned from your mother and incorporating that into not only helping your own children but helping other parents as well? Yes, thank you. So um, I uh, growing up, I was 
incredibly involved with different activities. I enjoy sports and music and academics. And I felt overall like I was really thriving in it. And I found a lot of success in that. And I was incredibly social. I, um, I considered myself a social butterfly. And I have a specific memory in high school of walking down the hallway and going from group to group to group mm-hmm. and talking to all, to all different people there. And I just loved it. And it was so fun for me. And I was actually really sad to graduate high school because I was going to miss the social aspect of it. And so um, fast forward a few years and um, I'm a mother. I have just had my third child and I live in a secluded farm in Florida. And um, I felt like what I had grown up with and what I had felt like I had been thriving in was had completely shifted yeah. and um, all of a sudden what, what used to bring me so much joy just wasn't there anymore and there were other things that could bring joy but I kept looking back thinking how, how can I still have my old self in this new stage of motherhood and so um, as, my, as my third child started getting a little bit bigger he started sleeping better through the night which meant that I started sleeping better through the night mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started to um, get out of survival mode and I started to look at what's around me, what resources are around me and how can I um, no longer just survive in this, but to thrive in this new stage with my gifts and my talents and my capabilities. And so I dove into self-improvement. I dove into reading um, books and getting up earlier and um, exercising again and um, through all of that, I felt like I started gaining so much information about being a mom, being a good parent, mm-hmm. and um, how to rise up in whatever stage of life we are in. And so just recently, I've just had this desire with me, within me to start sharing what I've learned with other moms because I know that this is a common feeling yeah. that moms have. And I want them to feel empowered in their motherhood that they can make a beautiful family culture and um, and really thrive in this. So that's yeah. what I'm doing. So it's called Mama's Rising. Mama's Rising, and I love that. And I think one of the things that happens as a mother is it's so new, and every every phase is so new, and you feel so alone at times. So I love mm-hmm. that you are creating this community and the safe space. And there was actually kind of a funny incident that happened, though, that I wanted to bring up that your mom was <laughs> telling me about. Do you want to do you want to kick this off, Lori? Uh, is it about the blog? Yes. Yeah, so I was talking to Allison a couple of days ago. Remember, Liz, when you had posted a picture of Bridger, your six-year-old, mm-hmm. doing dishes? And you were so... It was actually on Instagram. It was I'll on Instagram. Let clarify, it was on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I raised you children with home chores. Do you remember when we would have mm-hmm. responsibilities? And so you posted this darling picture of him um, at the kitchen sink doing dishes and how proud you were of him and and um, and then made some cute little hashtags with it. And then you had a couple controversial responses. Is that right, Liz? I did. I did. I had... Um Many accusations of forced child labor. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> in my home, and so um, yeah, it was it was interesting to see. Um, you know, social social media is such a, a an avenue for people to um, to attack you and your your intentions. And so um, I was kind of put in a situation of how do how do I address how do I address um, these women who were so. Um, determined in their point of view of, of what I was doing to my child and how destructive it was for, for him. 
Um, yeah, it's so yeah. it's so interesting how everybody has that different point of view. And I almost think today, you know, anything you do is going to be polarizing, right? People have so mm-hmm. many different opinions about things. But I, I love what you're doing, Liz. And uh, it's time for us to go to commercial. When we come back, I want to uh, involve you a little bit more. I want to ask you some more questions, Lori. But Liz, before we go to break, could you please uh, repeat one more time what your blog is, maybe even what your Instagram is, how people can get a hold of you uh, that are, are looking to uh, find that community as parents? Yeah, so my blog is mamasrising.com, um, and my Instagram is Eliza Kreiser, at Eliza Kreiser, K-R-I-S-E-R. And so, yeah, come and join, and I'll be sharing tips and ideas and, and a community where we can validate and, and help each other rise. Thank you so much for joining us today. When we come back, more with Lori. Her daughter Liz is joining us from Florida. Uh, We're going to uh, hear more about how Lori overcame trauma, uh, the steps that she took, and how you too can live a life where you not only survive, but you thrive and keep your family strong. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you're listening to Spotlight. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. If you want to join the ranks of the influencers, you've got to think like an influencer. How about joining one of the top influencers in the world, Leonard Kim, for Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard and his guests discuss the topics that aspiring influencers need to know, from brand building to getting yourself published and growing your audience. There's a bunch of fun and even some twists involved to keep you on your toes. You just have to listen every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. 
Welcome back to Spotlight. Today's topic, Family Strong. Uh, we've got Lori here, an industry where families often fail. She is thriving and her family's thriving. We have Liz, her daughter, joining us uh, from Florida. We just heard about her, her blog that she is doing for parents to help them uh, through their journey of parenthood. And she's sharing the things she learned from you, Lori, and uh, sharing the things that she knows to help keep things uh, rolling and safe. So we just lost our Facebook live feed, but we've still got our, our listeners online. So um, there are some really good questions here that your children ask you. I want to dive into one here um, that we were talking about at break. So Liz was telling me, you've always been really involved in extracurricular mm-hmm. activities. And even as your children have got older, you actually ran for uh, office, political I, office. I love that um, I get to respond to this because Elizabeth yeah. was such a critical part of that oh, decision. Wow. So one thing that we decided um, whenever we were engaging in anything in life, my, my husband and I decided early on, is this going to bless our family or burden it? Mm-hmm. Is it potentially going to break it? And if that's the case, then we have to avoid it or we have to magnify it. And yeah. one thing that I was uh, very passionate about, and Elizabeth knew this, uh, was about freedom, about liberty. And I Years ago, I was actually involved with someone named Cleon Skousen. For someone out there who might recognize who he was, just a real um, expert on the Constitution. And so I was a director of the Constitution for Educational Studies. Yeah. And... um, and so an opportunity, a previous uh, senator actually approached me and asked me if I would run for um, state representative. And it came at a really challenging time, right, Elizabeth? Do you remember you happened to be at our house visiting from Florida? And, I did. Yeah. And, um, and so it came at a time that was not convenient. And, and I actually held a family council. Do you remember, Liz, when we called each of the, the older children and we talked mm-hmm. to the younger children and, and we said, this is what's been presented for me. And how do you feel about that? Would you support me in this? Would, do you think that this would be a good idea for our family? And Elizabeth said something that was critical. And she said, Mom, you've taught us our whole lives to step up and try and make a difference. And, and I know how you feel about freedom. And so now it's your turn to, to set the example. Wow. That's got the goosebumps. Wasn't that powerful, that. Elizabeth? Do you remember saying that? Yep. Yeah. What, what, yep. Wow. What a powerful thing to not only raise a family who knows what you believe in, but also to raise a family who um, is supportive there of you. And I love this idea, too. I want to kind of go back to this because, you know, the second part of the question is, is how do you how do you really maintain that balance between family life and extracurricular activities? And there's a couple of things that I want to bring out here. First of all, family counsel. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what I want to bring out about that is consulting the family and involving them. One of the biggest mistakes that I made when I first got started in the industry that I'm in is that I had this false perception that I needed to be a stay-at-home mom, that stay-at-home moms uh, was 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 a thing that my kids wanted and needed at that time. And that by sharing, so I would, I would kind of be a closet entrepreneur. So I wouldn't ever tell my family or talk to them about what I was doing or my successes because I mistakenly thought that they would feel unimportant or that they would feel like I wasn't paying attention to them. So all they saw was that sometimes I was busy and sometimes I was gone, but then I would come back and pay full attention to them. But what ended up happening was 
I didn't get to celebrate with them. I didn't get to share my successes with them. I didn't get to share my convictions with them. And all they saw that it was that sometimes I was gone. And that was a big mistake. And I, I started shifting that a few years ago where I started involving my children more, bringing them to the different things I did, talking to them about it. But that's something that I so wish I had done in those crucial early years is just to let my children know what I was doing, what I was passionate about. And um, so I don't know if you were, if you ever had that, those moments, or if you always just brought things to your children and talked to them about it. Uh, but explain a little bit about how you would walk somebody through that process or doing that. So Liz and I were actually talking about this earlier today. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we realized um, as parents is we needed to help our children develop problem-solving skills yeah. really early on. So we constantly asked the children for their opinion. Mm -hmm. And when we were making important family decisions, we always asked them how they felt about it so that they could formulate, they could um, give us feedback, we learned to value their opinion, we learned to value their perspective. And so when we made decisions, ultimately, it ended up being a family success. And uh, we were talking, Liz, uh, this morning when we were talking about you being in the pageant, um, she ran for um, a particular position for Miss Western Idaho. And uh, uh, Liz, do you want to talk a little bit about what that was like for you, what we did as a family? Because this took a lot of time. Do you remember how much time that took mm -hmm. to prepare you for that? What did we oh, do? Oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, so um, we, my mom was so good to involve the whole family in, in this endeavor that I was I was taking up. And so um, I remember we would we would pack up the children and we would go to the gym where we had like a stage that we could practice on and um, I would practice my walking and I would practice <laughs> public speaking and I would practice all that with my siblings and my friend. We'd all, they'd all be sitting down in the audience and they'd be critiquing me and we made it fun and enjoyable for everybody and then we'd go home and my, my family would sit on our long couch with the coffee table in front of them and I would have to stand up in front of them and they would drill me with current event questions and political questions and see how well I could respond. And we would, we would laugh and have fun. And, and um, throughout the whole process, it was, it was always involving, involving my siblings and, and my mother and father. And so then when I did um, end up compete, competing and winning, it was a joyous affair for the whole family. And um, the attention wasn't all on me. It was that we together had accomplished something great. And um, I want to point out something else that I thought was um, that went along with what you had said, Allison, is that um, when children actually see us pursuing our passions or our hobbies or our, or our businesses, um, they they can learn from our failures they can learn how we mm -hmm. approach an obstacle and how we overcome it they can see that we put in the time for our research and and um, if we want our children to be successful in their years later on then they need to see us in our own in the journey of becoming successful and so mm -hmm. I think it's important that the mother or the father or the child if they are each pursuing their dreams that everyone becomes a part of it and everyone sees all aspects of the journey so that they too as as the children get older they know that it's possible and they've seen somebody else 
do it themselves. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. And I think that that is crucial and important and something that I wish I'd understood from the beginning. I understand the the importance of that now. Um, So I'm really glad you're doing what you're doing, Elizabeth, and educating parents on these these types of things, especially young parents. Can I say um, one thing? Liz, remember when we had this, um, the the election experience, the campaign experience too, it was really awesome because then I was actually put in the spot where my husband and my children were in the living room and I was in the front and they were throwing questions (laughs) at me so that I could be ready. And when my son turned 18 uh, and voted, his mom's name was on the ballot. Oh, wow. And he was my greatest advocate Mm -hmm. and he felt so proud and he felt so um, pleased to be able to have been part of that helping me and then to be able to vote for me. It it was an incredible experience. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, too, that it comes up a lot when I'm talking to people, and, and we've, we don't have, uh, I mean, we've got probably three or four minutes left to the close, so I don't want to spend an, an inordinate amount of time on this question, but I think it's a really important question to ask, and that is, did your husband ever feel intimidated by your success or scared by that? I know that there are some relationships where I talk to people, and in particular when women are experiencing a lot of sex, so success, sometimes the men struggle with that. They struggle with feeling like that they're supposed to be the provider or they're supposed to be the one that's, you know, the protector. And I don't know if this happens in all relationships, but did you go through that struggle? Did you go through a period where your husband struggled with you being in the limelight or experiencing success? Was there a component of fear or jealousy or was he just always really supportive of you? Yeah, my husband, Elizabeth's father, is just the most selfless choice individual Mm -hmm. and he would prefer not to be in the spotlight. But I love the fact that um, he sees value in me and he knows my path. He knows what we've been through together. He Mm -hmm. knows what we've been through as parents. And um, he is a huge advocate because he knows how much we had to flounder to get to the place that we're at. And he celebrates the fact that if I can help people make their path easier and help make them stronger and share what we've learned together, um, then it's it's, um, very rewarding for him. I love that. I love that. Okay, last question of the day. And I thought this was a really good question, but... uh, you actually were very favorably impacted by friends when you were a teenager. Mm-hmm. How how did that impact you? Because most of the time, you know, we ended up going into the teenage years and his parents were just dreading, you know, hopefully that there's good friends and sometimes there's not. But what happened to you as a teenager that changed your life? Yeah, so I moved up to Alaska when I was 16 years old. And very quickly, a young lady named Kimmy, she was um, five foot nothing and Mm -hmm. little blonde cheerleader and I was 5'10 with dark hair and we were very different but we just migrated to each other and she invited me to her home a lot it was very peaceful, it was joyful Um, I had a lot of good things that happened as well, I don't want things to be misunderstood but um, Bruce Bruce Springsteen said regarding his own child he said take the best and leave the rest and so I appreciate that I can take the best and recognize what needed to be changed but sometimes you've got to see a better way and so being in her home and she introduced me to her faith and I had an opportunity to learn and and um, and then embrace that and then I use that as a foundation for my family now to be in a home like that was really really eye-opening for me and to be so welcomed and warm um, warmly embraced by her parents 
parents, we've made a point, Elizabeth, maybe you want to say something about this too, we've made a point to recognize the power of our youth and uh, the, the possibilities of them transforming lives for good instead of focusing on the bad that can happen with peers. And um, how would you feel we made our home environment for others, Liz? Yeah, my mom made our home a total, uh, a, just a welcoming place for everybody. Our door was always open to whoever wanted to come. And my mom would welcome them with open arms and we would have parties and play games and dance in the kitchen. And and she just wanted it to be um, a place where people were safe. She created a safe place for a lot of youth. Um, as us children grew up, our friends could come over and be safe. I love that. Well, Lori, you're making a huge impact on not only on your own family, but also other people now. You are a family empowerment coach. So could you briefly explain what that means, who might be interested in working with you, and how they can do that? Yeah, so my business is Whole Family Mentoring, and um, my title is Personal and Family Empowerment Coach. And I've seen that um, working with families as a whole has been really, really probably the most beneficial, impactful way. I can work with individuals as well. But um, my theme is helping families heal and feel whole again. And one thing that I did, I actually went back to my childhood home a few years ago, and I was able to go into that. And I'd been in that home several times since I was an adult. But um, Troy Dunn once said, you can't have peace till you have all of your pieces. Mm -hmm. And I went into this home and suddenly I felt huge. I felt so big and the house felt really small and I realized it was because I had my pieces. I was whole. Again, I was a whole person and I felt strong and empowered and so it was just a place. It wasn't a, It wasn't um, impacting me in a negative way anymore because I was bigger than the, the, the past. Yeah. So um, yeah, I help people feel whole again and I, I help families that. feel strong. So so if there's anybody out there that's feeling like their family is being divided, they can mm -hmm. contact you. We've got about 30 seconds to close, but how can people get a hold of you? Wholefamilymentoring.com or my um, Instagram. I'm new at Instagram, but it's Lorie, L-O-R-R-I-E dot Richens. And then, of course, you can look on for me on Facebook, see some family dynamic through my Facebook as well. Um, it's just my Lori Richens page. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for being here with us today and edifying us with your experiences and your words. And, and Elizabeth, thank you for joining us from Florida. Uh, I loved having you and your input. And thank you for what you're doing to raise the frequency of the planet. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you've been listening to Spotlight. Join us next week where we'll have more individuals who have transformed their lives and are now working to transform the lives of others. Until then, have a great week. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.